Hello and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Business Podcast. My name is Charles Mackay and today we had the great pleasure of interviewing Dan Curran. Dan is the co-founder and CEO of a business called Orgchart Hub. Orgchart Hub is a really cool tool and product that you can leverage within your sales process um, within the HubSpot ecosystem. And Dan goes through the journey of how he solved his problems first um, and then that is built in, in ending up in, in building a business that he's got today. Pretty amazing story to go from, um, you know, a side hustle to two and a half thousand clients and still only the two guys in the business. Um, so he goes through that and shares some of the interesting insights and stories of, you know, where he started his career and um, how the problems that he's kept solving for, him, for himself ended up into a business today. So without further ado, I'm handing over to myself with uh, Dan Curran. So enjoy, guys. Welcome, everybody. I'd like to welcome Dan Curran all the way from no longer London town, but he's over in England somewhere. So welcome, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Charles. Yeah, good to be here. Where, so whereabouts are you exactly situated? Yeah, so I escaped London. I'd had enough of it after 10 years and we're on the south coast. So about two hours south of London um, near Southampton. So it's a little place called the New Forest. Um, yeah, right. So yeah, enjoying the seaside. Cool. So before we get into this, Dan, tell us, um, I suppose, how we've got to sitting here now. What's your sort of career and journey been like to um, to this day? Yeah, absolutely. So um since about 18, I've always been a little bit obsessed with trying to run my own business. Um, tried lots of things on the side over that period of time. I'm now 34, so it's many years, <laughs> many years later. Um, but during that journey, um, I've worked for a bit of very big business. So um, a company that had 14,000 employees, that was kind of straight out of university. Hmm. Um, Luckily enough for me, I did manage to find a small unit within that big business. So there was a team of 10 that was starting up a small business within the larger confines. So I kind of got a little bit of a startup um, journey for a couple of years there. And then they hit a point um, where a friend of mine came to me who just started a software company. They were looking for their first salesperson and I was in sales um, with that large company. And I thought, if I don't take this leap now, and learn from like the ground up how to build a software company, then I'm never going to do this. Mm. Um, so dropped my corporate pay <laughs> by about half um, and then joined this software company on the promise that hopefully we can turn it into something. Um, and then that journey lasted five and a half years. We got acquired in April last year. Um, so it was a successful journey and I learned an awful lot um, from, that, from that experience. Um, yeah, and then journeying during that experience is where uh, I finally kind of, rather than playing around with trying to solve other people's problems, I had a couple of challenges I was having within HubSpot um, and then solve those problems. And then here we are today working mm. full time on, on those particular products. Yeah, cool. So what was the business of 14,000? Like what, what did that business do? Yes, yeah, so it was actually Enterprise Rent-A-Car. So um, I don't know whether they, I think they do have couple of franchises maybe yeah, in Australia. Enterprise, yep, yep. Yeah, so they're um they're a huge business now and um they had a graduate scheme where you basically it was pretty like heavy handed. You work in the branch, which was not much fun. But then after that, once you kind of got through that period, you could then move into areas that may be more a little bit more interesting. But the unique thing about that business is 
everybody starts in the branch. They never hire from outside of business. So everyone's kind of like on the same playing field and working their way um, through. Mm. So I actually really enjoyed working for them and they've got an mm. incredible business model. Mm. What was the ways to grow in that business? What, what, like, what were the metrics that generally got you to the next hierarchy or whatever it was? Yeah, it was very, very smart. So they had a thing. It was basically a customer service um, score that each branch had. And you had to be 80% above on completely satisfied customers. Otherwise, you could not go for a promotion. So that was like mm -hmm. the main thing. Then there was profitability of each branch um, and the usual stuff. But like the thing that really impressed me, and I think just built the culture, was you could not get promoted without that customer satisfaction. And I've not actually seen that in many companies. I haven't heard of that in many companies, but it's a, it certainly forces people to look after your customers. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's really, it's really interesting that customer first mindset. How have they pivoted over the years to like to stay relevant today? That what you've seen since you've left, have they done some pretty significant things? Yeah, I mean they. So they started their business in um, insurance replacements. That's how they started in America. And then that translated to UK and Europe. So if you have a, an accident in your car, they deal with the insurance company and get you a new car. So actually quite behind the scenes. Um, and then what they did is they just built the business based off the back of that strategy and then expanded into like retail. And then now they do trucks. So they've just, they've just basically used their network to then get into more, more sectors. So that's what they've done ever since. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, and they, they're a private company. Um, so it's just one family that still own it, which is mad. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Cool. So outside of, um, you know, you having a want or a driver to start your own business, what, you know, what else led you to down to that? Cause it, we all know it's, it's, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice to have the idea that you want to run your own business, but what, what was the main mm -hmm. thing that drove you to do it before you found the solution to how to be doing it today? Yeah, I think it's, um, when I think about it for me, I think it's about creativity. Um, so when, so I went to university and I studied, um, product design. Mm -hmm. So my initial interests were in like physical products and I've always been someone like trying to solve problems and, and and design products in that way when I was younger and and I think that just still carried with me through the career is like I want to be creative and I want to be creative on my own projects and really mm -hmm. the only way you can do that is if you can um, set up your own sustainable business so that's probably the driver for me is like creativity and solving problems for customers mm -hmm. and that, that sort of leads really nicely into the problems that you're trying to solve today so um how did that this problem come about like where did you first find it and explain the problem i suppose first and then yeah tell us where you found that problem and what businesses tried to do to solve it before you started what you're doing now yeah so um in that last business i was in in the software company um that was with for five and a half years um we in the early days we shifted around crm so we started with closed.io then we moved to pipe drive and then eventually we landed on HubSpot um, for various reasons, but probably the main one is just like the fact it's an all-in-one platform and, the, and our marketing team could work with it and, and we were on the CRM. Back then, we were actually on the CRM very early. So it was when HubSpot just bought out the CRM. So there was quite a lot of, initially there was quite a lot, a lot of missing components. 
they've done a great job since and like filled it out. Um, but in 2017, um, I moved from being in the sales team and headed up the customer success team in that software business. And so all of a sudden I had, um, four, uh, three or four people reporting into me and we were looking after the customer base. So doing two things, one was, uh, expanding those accounts and the other one was making sure they didn't go anywhere and they stayed with us. Mm. The thing that immediately I noticed was why can't we have, why can't we tell who we're actually working with? Right. It's actually very difficult to figure out who the key decision makers that we're working with within an individual business. Mm-hmm. And it went to quite an extreme. So one of our customers was IBM and IBM is a huge organization mm. with many layers, many regions, many divisions, many different types of businesses. So there's lots of people we, um, we were dealing with just to keep the contract going. And then also that we could expand into. So um, uh, I looked immediately. I typed in all charts for HubSpot. <laughs> Didn't yeah. find anything. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was like, I can't believe no one's tried to crack this problem. Um, so I just jumped on the phone with a good friend of mine who's a very good developer and said, um, is there any chance we can have a go at this just for our internal use? And we built a basic version. Um, we started to use it. The team started to get good value out of it. I got a lot of good value out of it because I could see they understood the accounts and who they were mm. trying to sell to on the expansion front. And then our sales team started using it. And then I had some friends who were using HubSpot and they said, oh, is there any chance we can have a, have a play with it? Um, so we did that. And then in 28, April 2018, we thought, okay, this might be of interest to the wider HubSpot community. So we uh, placed it into the marketplace and it just went from there, really. So we went from when we first put in the marketplace, we had 50 um, companies that have installed it and we're using it. Mm. And then now we're very close to two and a half thousand companies that have mm. uh, ultra hub installed so, so yeah, that was the very first we worked on yeah yeah that's cool so let everyone know i suppose what all chart hub does and how it integrates with hubspot and how companies are what how i suppose they um are meant to be using it and then i'd love to hear about how companies are using it and what user cases you've seen because i think that's always a fascinating thing yeah so Ultra Hub um, sits inside the HubSpot CRM. So there's no extra um, login or anything like that. You, from the side panel within the HubSpot CRM, when you're in a company or contact profile, you can open it up and it allows you to build all charts on that particular company. So what I mean by that is you're basically mapping the key decision makers that you're working with, um, which is very useful in sales and, and um, account management and customer success to really understand who, who else is involved in this decision that I need to get involved and who am I not communicating with enough? Mm. So it really is only relevant if you deal with big businesses. If you, if you deal with small businesses and there's maybe one or two decision makers, it isn't relevant to you because you don't need to build a chart on one or two people. But no. if it's a really big business, usually what you find is like the average is between eight and 15 decision makers. That's when yep. it starts to get complicated. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's in essence how, how it works for you. Yeah, cool. And, and how are you seeing um, your solution used and what's the craziest thing that you've seen to date? <laughs> yeah, so it's funny because we, so majority of the case, we see people using it in the way I've just described, so mapping those key decision makers. So sometimes you see charts 
like for really big companies you might see charts that go to like 50 or 100 and that's starting to like that's that's quite that's quite big and that's mm. they're putting a lot of time and energy into that which is which is great because they'll, they'll get value out of it um that's how we envisage most people to use it and that is what we see and then every now and then we see like a 500 person chart <laughs> which is firstly that takes a while to like get that put together and also the level of understanding of that particular account is impressive like to understand mm. a business not your business somebody else's business that well is mm. very impressive so that always that that is that surprises us when we always see charts of that size mm. i guess um probably pays to like the expansion that they're trying to get into to to build something out that big yeah and what what are some of the um you know stories that you're hearing back from your customers around you know this visualizing that org chart and having it in the crm and like what are they starting you know to get the value out of it how's you know what are some of the stories you're saying yeah i think some of the stuff that maybe we didn't think about is um and most people don't think about from the word go is actually helping with the handoff process so often like in especially in soft other software companies they can have what they call like a sales development rep who creates mm -hmm. the opportunity then it goes to an account exec or a salesperson that then manages it and then wins the deal and then it then goes to the account manager who then looks after it and expands it so mm -hmm. actually like some things some areas that have been a surprise is it's helped them with the handoff because mm -hmm. their immediate understanding of an account is a lot faster because they're going okay oh, these are the people i'm about to jump on a phone call with or these are the people that i'm going to be ab about to onboarding and this is where the other opportunities are going forward so that has been um that has been a, a surprise on like how helpful it's been on that that those trade-offs um, yeah that, that makes there. a lot of sense and what about the, the i know there's a feature in there called the blocker or the um mm. the roadblock um how, yeah. have you seen, how, have you, how have you seen that used and does it work when people actually you know use that component yeah this this one this feature so what we call it is is sales personas um we, we it was tricky to name it but because so you could call it a couple of things you could call it like key decision makers but there's um there's a really great book out there called um um oh, i've gone blank on it i'll send you i'll send you a link sorry charles but it's basically about how you need to map out the key decision makers and they have the ones that they name. So like influencer, are they a champion? Are they a budget holder? Um, are they a blocker? And one of the things um, that like the blocker, the way they describe it is just as important as the rest of them, because if you can't get to that blocker, so we've all been on sales calls where somebody's not quite bought in and you can tell they're not bought in and sometimes they'll save stuff where you know they've got on another gen another agenda, maybe it's another supplier that they're interested in, or there's something not like they're not quite comfortable with it. And the the key really is not only to map out those other people, but like address that blocker and like when you're on calls, specifically focus on them. Like try try hmm. try to win them over. And and the other thing that we see like customers use is those personas themselves. Hmm. We built the integration so that we push that back into HubSpot. Mm -hmm. So the marketing team, for example, can run uh, marketing campaigns on budget holders because they need to see things that are slightly different, like numbers related and ROI versus like influencers and champions that might want to see like case studies. So that, um, that those particular features help in, in that way. 
Mm. It's, it's really powerful when you start getting it done. So how have you dealt with one of the old um, or one of the biggest challenges with any CRM is getting the sales teams to use it. How have you gone through that roadblock um, <laughs> to make sure it gets used? Yeah, we, so we quite, so as you probably have seen, probably have seen so you, you can sign up for free. So mm. we, we give you up to five charts just to really get used to the product and, and get a feel for it. And so um, what, by the time we start engaging with you, because we, we stay quite hands off because we want the product to basically sell itself in that first like, period. And then when you start to hit five or six charts, we'll gently get in touch and say, look, you're, you you basically moved over the freemium plan but by that point teams are pretty up well up and running with it it's pretty simple you can't mm -hmm. go too far wrong so probably my answer to that is like my co-founder um who's on the technical side has done a very very good job of keeping it simple easy to use um so that that has been maybe the main way of yeah. adoption the best that aside when we're speaking to very big businesses or like mid to big businesses so maybe like from 200 employees upwards mm. what you find is um like the director of op, um rev revenue is like wants to speak um you'll probably have a vp of sales that wants to understand how the product works and then you might have like a leader of the development team uh, sorry the sales development team at that point what we do is try and engage everyone so use our own product <laughs> Um, to map everyone out and engage the people that we know need to be engaged to make this success uh, successful. And if yeah. you can get people to like hand off from the early stage all the way through to account manager, then that's when you get your best adoption. Yeah. And it makes sense. And you've also picked a CRM too, that has been built for the user. Um, so it does make sense. So when you guys obviously started this, so I think it's interesting that one of your goals was to set up a business um and run your own journey and i had a very similar thing i'm like yep i want to set up a business and set you know have my business and i did that in about three weeks and i was like sweet um <laughs> what's next um so tell us a little bit about the um you know from what you've gone to set out you build a product to what that you know i suppose the vision is um was then to what it is today and how that's evolved and what that journey's been like for you yeah, we, um, so me and my co-founder Austin, we both had this same drive and him from 18 as well. And, um, what we, I guess we were a little bit careful. So we didn't, we didn't want to raise money. So I've been part of a software company that raises money and I really enjoyed the journey, but I did see the amount of pressure that comes on from investors and when they want to see a certain return. So both of us were, um, wanted to kind of retain hundred percent and build this uh, in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. So what we did was since 2018, we, this was every, everything was a side project up until January, 2020. Wow. Um, so we, yeah, we, we spent and software takes a long time to, to build up. Like there's the revenue side, but then also there's the, it takes a long time to get it into a place where you're, um, where you're happy with it really and, and where you want to move forward. So uh, we just continually chipped away at it and that is hard. Like a side project is hard. So I had a full-time job. My co-founder had a full-time job. Basically, mm. you've got to squeeze out as much time as possible. Um, last year, we had a, um, 
our, our first child that made it even more difficult and then we got to um we got to january and um earlier that year we'd been to inbound and hubspot had been amazing in terms of encouraging us to go full time and we're like yep we will we just got to right we just got to get to the right revenue and save enough money to make it happen um so yeah we got to january and we're like yep now's the time we were seeing all the numbers going in the right direction mm. the second part of that is we had uh <laughs> well maybe we'd bitten off a bit more than we could chew on the side project side because we built a second product in the in 2019 um, mm. but actually i'm really glad we did that because uh it gives us a bit a bit more stability and um it's kind of yeah it's it's been a really popular um solution in its own right so yeah bit of a waffle mm. there sorry but that was no, that's no, no, we got no. it. <laughs> that's cool so you're you know you've gone from what so how long did it take you to get the first hundred installs yeah good question i um so so April 2018, we went in on 50 installs. I think yeah. it probably took us about six months to get to 50. Yeah. And then we did 70 in a week. Wow. The first time it was in, in the HubSpot marketplace. So it was, um, it's pretty, it was pretty quick from that point onwards. We yeah. were seeing decent revenue from April, April onwards. Yeah. And you're at 2000 now. So what's, what's the next three years look like for you guys? Like the, the rate of knots that, obviously HubSpot's growing and, you know, they're predicting millions of customers, uh, not just 60 odd thousand that all that they say they've got now. Um, where, where do you see it? And obviously free CRM users can use it. So, um, you know, what's, what's your vision look like now? Yeah, we, we want to remain super focused on HubSpot. Um, so I mentioned now we've got two, two solutions on HubSpot. We mm. could well, and uh, it won't be this year, but I'm, I'm sure next year we'll start to work on a third. And our mm. overall vision is um, basically to help visualize the HubSpot CRM um, for generally for sales reps and account managers. Like that, that's the way we, we're thinking about our solutions. Mm. Um, and just finding those pockets where it's really hard for HubSpot to solve those problems because they're mm. just, I mean, there's so much stuff you can solve in a CRM and there's so many different types of customers. And rightly mm. so, they've gone, the only way to do this is get partners and, and build a good ecosystem. So we'll mm. just continue to be good partners of theirs. Um, we work very closely with them mm. and they were very helpful on like the ABM solution that they're currently putting out, like the beta mm -hmm. stuff. We mm -hmm. consulted them, consulted with them because they asked us to on the, on some of the stuff. So yeah, just being a good partner and, and really f focused on that niche of just helping, helping out HubSpot in that particular area. And, I think that's a, that's one of the key things is like find your niche and we don't <laughs> want to spread ourselves too thin. We're only two people. We want to yeah. stay. Fit. Yeah. And how are you going to stay? Are you going to put more stuff on it? Are you going to stay pretty lean and nimble? We want to keep it as two people for as long as possible. And um, just cause you can run a software company relatively lean if you're careful. And mm -hmm. um uh, there might be the odd thing that we'll outsource maybe in the same way um, like some of the solutions partners do occasionally. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we want to try and keep it as two people as long as possible. Not, not that we're adverse to like ever working with other people, but um, we just think it, it's possible to, to build a decent sized business on two people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you, especially if you want to do it in a sustainable way and yeah. live, live, you know, that 
the amount of time you have to spend on managing people and all of that component, if you don't have to do that, it makes your life a lot easier. Yeah. Um, I love it. So what's, um, you know, through the journey that you've got, what is the a real, like the most powerful tip you've got and that you've learned um, through your journey that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think if you do have the drive to run your own business, um, the mistakes I've made really over the years, years rather, since I was about 18 was um, I solved too many problems that just weren't my own. So I didn't really understand them. I didn't understand them to any depth. I spent far too much trying to solve. And this is not, I'm not saying this is um, everybody's solution, but it certainly is for me. I felt I, I spent far too much time trying to solve B2C problems. Like trying to build a B2C business is really hard. <laughs> I admire anyone that manages to pull that one off because mm-hmm. it's just the, it can be very fickle and, and it's just, and it's often very cash and, and you need a lot of cash to get it going. So I spent a lot of time trying to do that sort of stuff. And then as soon as I kind of settled on the fact that I was working in the B2B space on both in the both of the companies that I worked in prior to this, that's what I understood. Um, and then when it's, when I suddenly switched to like solving my own problem that I knew at great depth, like what the problem was and I knew there were other people out there that would have the same challenges. Yeah. That's, that's the thing for me is like find a niche that you can solve and get it down as like niche as possible. So we were solving mm-hmm. a problem for, Firstly, HubSpot customers, then within that niche, we were solving a problem for sales reps and, and account managers and, and visualizing accounts. So it got very, very narrow, but actually mm. the market was big enough to build a business. Yeah. Um, which to be honest, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed prior to <laughs> going. No. It's not something you can figure out until you try it. Totally. And yeah, it's, it's interesting too that like in the current environment, um, I you're lucky that your niche is in an industry that's not, it's been impacted, but it hasn't been destroyed. Um, but you know, you know, if, think of how many mm, things you've been on where they're like, pick a niche within a niche and pick the niche. And how many of those niches have just been wiped out in the last three weeks or last two months. Yeah. Um, so I think you're lucky that you have a niche that is in a pretty, pretty secure space at the minute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I love it. So out of, um, the last 18 months or two years, no, no, since you've gone live, what's been the biggest pain point for you that you've got now? Um, and looking at that, that problem. So you're sort of doing a full circle again, fix it, identify the problem, work at solving the problem. And then another one comes up Are your, your problems getting bigger or are they slowly starting to evaluate and will go away? Yeah. So it's different on, um, it's different on the two products we've got. So we've got one that now is more mature, which is the old chart hub side of things. And we, we have a very clear roadmap for that. Like we get regular feedback from our users and, and prospects as well. Um, cause obviously prospects are using it on a smaller scale. And, and so we have a really clear roadmap on that and it will never end. Uh, people will always ask for additional functionality and we want to, we want to give that. Yeah. But we've, we're in a good place in terms of like, we know what to do on, on that mm. particular product. Um, on the GM mapper product, um, it's brand, it's brand new. So it came out in January. Mm. Um, so it's, this is part of the fun, I guess. Like we like creating many products <laughs> makes yeah. things more difficult. 
But like, yeah. if you think about it, we're at two different stages on both products and that's quite enjoyable because you can switch from one to the other and go, okay, now what do I solve in terms of the, this early stage mm. of, the, of this particular product? Mm. So um, on that one, we're still figuring out like our marketing in terms of um, like what are the problems we're solving on that product that resonate the most. Mm. Um, so uh, before what, before what happened in the current in current climate, tell, tell us yeah. what it does, and then yeah. what was that core <laughs> problem it was solving? Yeah, so this one has been hurt by the current <laughs> climate. So um, GeoMapper um, again goes back to like when I was working for this other company. So I had um, my CEO came to me regularly and said, um, like, where are our customers? We're, we're going on a trip to America because we a lot of our customer base was in the states. As just like when you look at the CRM, it's really hard unless you go one by one and look at the addresses. It's really hard to figure out like where all your customers are, where your prospects mm. are. So, mm. um, what we did was created um, uh, a plugin again. So just like Ultra Hub, no extra login. You open it up. You can create lists of your customers, and they can we can map based on any of your properties within HubSpot. So you can map based on customers. You can map based on prospects of different deal stages so all of a sudden like in terms of traveling and going to events and driving people to your events and when you go to trade shows getting people to come and visit you it's very helpful on the marketing front it's very helpful on the sales front because of, of um, like making the most of those journeys mm. obviously <laughs> today no one's making any journey. <laughs> yeah. um, so we have the number of inbounds that come into us, like the signups has dropped off significantly on that product. And it, that went way quicker than all chart hub did. So that went from, so we actually had more installs. So we had 600 installs from the word go. And we took yeah. our time a little bit on this product. And then, um, we are coming in on a thousand five hundred. Um, so that one flew <laughs> up yeah. until the pandemic <laughs> yeah it's 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 really interesting because it's such a big problem for legacy businesses that don't have a digital presence so they're still going to do the way they did things always they're going to do the same thing they've always done and you just visualize that problem for them um yep. now it's going to be interesting how they go from visualizing that problem to actually not getting in the car and driving and seeing all those people <laughs> yeah. um but yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. I think you'll find that um, if you can turn that into, or integrate that into some of the offline stuff, like offline traditional snail mail and that sort of mm. thing, um, you know, even if you had a prospecting door, door knocking type business, for example, that yeah. there was their map zone, um, you know, two days before the letter goes out, then they know where they're going and they know if it's been delivered. There'd be heaps of powerful things you do. Not saying that those tactics are necessarily smart today. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's fascinating. So what's, um, what were people using it for that what you saw in the first, you know, couple of months? Yeah, it was, um, well, actually way more of a mix than, than all child. So because it's, I guess it's just a little bit more flexible and more broad, like there's more broad appeal for it. So mm. we've seen like real estate companies use it a lot. Yeah. Um, we've seen um, software companies when they're like trying to ma manage territories. So because we've got some sketch functionality in there, like you can, you can basically customize a territory rather than just base it off postcodes. 
Yeah. Um, we've seen pharmaceuticals use it again on the territory management front, but also sales reps are on the road more. So they're managing that way. And actually like because of the diversity, we've seen some customers that have, even though the pandemics hit in, they've doubled down. So like we've had um, a company called advantage maintenance in the U S mm-hmm. and they go, they go around and um, they're doing like um, cleaning um, offices mm-hmm. to, to obviously to help with the COVID t- side of things. So mm-hmm. they're actually tra- <laughs> they're traveling just as much as they were before. So because of that diversity, you do see some people use it even more and then others that just go, right, I can't use it cause I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Real mix. It is. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And that's one thing I love about um, when you talk to guys like yourself that um, you know, how your product is being built to then how it's been used is generally so far apart. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You've got all these intentions of how it's going to get used, but then it gets used in all of these left to center ways. Um, yeah. So lead, leading into that, what's the most, um, I suppose, proud moment you've had with the business and that you can share with, with us today? Yeah, I think um, just getting to that full-time moment was a big deal for both of us. Like, it's a massive change, especially when you've been working on a side project for so long. So for, mm. for us, it was like a, it was a two and a half year journey of like slogging away on the weekends and in the evenings. And it really limits you because you can't put lots of focus. So as soon as we went full time, it felt weird because it was like, okay, this is like, I'm not, I don't have a boss. <laughs> yeah. And now I've actually got the time and my co-founders actually got the time to get deep into this problem. So that was a, that was a massive, uh, a massive thing. Um, yeah. And then another one was for us on the product front was we were really proud when HubSpot started using Orchard Hub for themselves. Like that mm-hmm. was a, we like that moment we were like, okay, if the company you're building on has decided that they should probably use it. Um, yeah. Then that was, a, that was a very proud moment for us. On, on that yeah. Front. That's, you know, if you've got into that organization and they're using the product at the territory regional level, then um, that's, that's awesome. How, just a quick question, how are you dealing with the accountability piece between each other now that you, you don't have a boss and you've gone from, you know, you're bossless, but you've got business partners. How's that going? Yeah. Well, so um, both of us feel very fortunate because we both worked in the same company for a long period of time. So we both worked together right. for um, yeah. two years in the last company. So we understood like how each other worked. And because I was the first sales rep there and he was one of the first engineers, um, we worked very closely with each other to solve the problem that we were working on in that business. As that business got bigger, you it just doesn't happen. Like you then have people in between and then you have product managers and in the, those conversations just dry out. But, mm in that time we knew we could work with each other and we trusted each other. And then when we went to work on this as a side project, that's, that's even harder than full time in terms of accountability because you're just eking out hours wherever you can get them. So we've just got a level of trust and a, and a relationship that it really, it really doesn't require it. Like neither of us, we were both work. We both work very hard and we have worked hard for other people in that other business. And yeah. we, like now it's just it's up again like you know like yeah. when you work for yourself it goes up another level oh it's 100 percent, 100 um awesome dan i really appreciate you coming on and um sharing your story with us and obviously what your business does um i think it's really exciting 
the path you're on and the fact that you've done it and doing it in a sustainable way. I'm sure that that money that has probably been dangled in front of you from investors and other things have, has been hard to say no, but I think in the long run, especially with what's going on in the current climate, um, if you can push through it and build something that is so sustainable, you're going to have a pretty exciting future. Um, how can how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm on uh, LinkedIn under Daniel Curran. Um, we have a Twitter account for Chart Hub, um, and yeah, those probably those are the two main places you can you can find us. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, thanks very much, Dan, and uh, we look forward to seeing what the roadmap of the products look like in the future. Cheers, Charles. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Pleasure. No problem at all. Um, that was interesting. It's, it's I, like, I still see so many user cases and I need to, um, I don't forget about it, but I, I do sometimes. It's like, oh, why haven't I just pushed that into a, like five of my accounts? Um, <laughs> Which so, yeah. one? The mapping one or the both one? Both. Um, especially when you've got like traditional businesses. So, and you just visualize that. That's, that's gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Straight away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there's, um, there's so many user cases for it. Um, I think one of the things we find is like, I'm sorry if I've mentioned this to you before, but like all chart hub was a funny one because 